Okay, so I'm delighted to be joined by uh, George Boyd. Um, George, first and foremost, how are you doing? Are you staying safe? Yeah, always safe. Um, just been indoors with, with the kids, so they're, they're keeping me entertained uh, every day. Um, yeah, I've just been going for walks with the family when we can, and as you say, just staying safe and, um, and staying indoors. Yeah, I wanted to uh, sort of look at your career as, as a whole um, and start right from the beginning, from your Peterborough United time. Obviously, you were signed um, from Stevenage. Can you remember much about that transfer? The only thing I remember is you sitting in what's now the commercial office um, at the football club with Barry at the time. What, what, did, what did you think when the deal was sort of progressing? Was it something that excited you at the time? Yeah, definitely. I think there was a few offers in before I actually uh, went. I think I left like, maybe Boxing Day. It was around Christmas time, New Year. But um, a few bids had been knocked back. And then I remember I played against Aldershot. Um, at home for Stevenage, one four two, and that that was my very last game. I already knew that was coming to Peterborough, so um, and it was then like a record fee. So there was obviously a bit of um, a bit of pressure coming in for that fee at that time for non-league. Um, but um, Baz took me around the, the the training ground, the old one at Castor, and sold me the dream that, that this was our new multi-million pound uh, training ground. Um, we were still there five years later. Um, but yeah, I think it was just a big step for me at that time in my career, one that I needed at, at that age. Yeah, you mentioned the fee there. It was a, a record for, for non-league. Were you, A, surprised that it was sort of out there in the public domain because a lot of transfers were undisclosed? And B, did you feel any kind of pressure because of that fee? Uh, it was just a big deal at, the, at that time. And we, I remember put, they put it in the contract as in a number and, and we thought no one would ever go to that, that level to pay it. So I think Phil Wallace put it in there just because he didn't think anyone would would pay it but then obviously Peterborough came in and paid it and that, and that was a big surprise for me really that and and the honour really that Peterborough were willing to pay that sort of price for me to come. You mentioned Baz sold you the dream what what did he say to you in terms of how he he felt the club was going to develop over time? Well he obviously told me about Darren and his vision um, of buying hungry non-league players which we've done I think Aaron was already there and Mikel Smith finally came later on in the month, but um, we had Shane Blackett. It was a lot of us from England C team that, that had come in, and um, and that's another good thing. It was a chance of, of a platform really to play league football and and young hungry players, which was which was the the motto really at that that time. Yeah, you mentioned England C, as you say, you probably knew a, a few other faces. Did that help? Because as I say, when you when you're a club, that I guess at the time we were building something for the future so a lot of people coming in at the same sort of time did it help that you didn't have that sort of nervousness about not knowing anybody yeah definitely I mean obviously you're nervous already um, with the pressure of going from non-league to league football can you can you play at that level so to see a few familiar faces was, was great I think our, our room with Justin Richards let me uh, have a room in his house to start with and then Shuan Jalau was there he was the goalie at uh, um, woke in he came um, so it was nice just to see familiar faces and people in the same boat as you really where um, they're obviously nervous as well Yeah and you mentioned um, obviously there was a few players from non-league that were signed at the same time obviously some have gone on to like yourself to, to have a great career some probably fell the other way I, I guess that, that happens people adjust to the step up differently did you feel that you had the confidence that you'd step up and take it in your stride? Yeah, I knew straight away from the first week in training that I belonged that level. Um, just training every day with them, I, I know I wasn't out of place and, and I was doing well. So um, that that's good to bed in there. And then I think the first game was Darlington, wasn't it, um, away? And then just it takes a few games to get get up to the speed. Um, but I think as your confidence grows, you, you get to play your own game. And uh, I think that showed with my form. It took a while to get going, to be fair, at the start.
Yeah, you mentioned, I suppose, the style of player that you are, but the step up as you go through the leagues, whether it's the highest league or League Two from, from, from non-league, if you believe in your ability and you have ability, then it can take you a long way. Yeah, and I've found it easier as, as I've gone up the leagues because technically I'm more a technical player and, it, and technically you have to be better every every level you go up. So um, League Two, uh, League One, there's not loads of football played, but it's physical, same with the conference. But um, I think as, as you go up through the levels, you, you see the quality get higher and higher. Yeah. What was your first impressions of, of Darren as, as a manager? What was what did you sort of sense from him when he, when he first sort of walked into the dressing room? We just thought he was so young when we had a meeting with him. I think it was before one of our last games, and him and Rooster came in, introduced themselves, and we just thought he's, he was not. He looks like he still play at that age. Um, but I think as soon as he came in, he, he wanted a, a certain style of play and everyone to express themselves. And, and the boys bedded in straight away. They 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 fell for it and and wanted to play to his style. Everyone talks about Darren, particularly in the early days, obviously, in terms of the success. But obviously, Rooster was a key component of that management team, particularly for the attacking players, because obviously that's the position he sort of played in himself. What was he like on the training ground and how did he um, build the confidence of the forward players? He was just a great character, Rooster. He um, he's always geeing each other up. I think if we needed a, a rollicking, he, he, was, he was good at that and um, always wanted us to stay behind after training, do shooting sessions and that. And, I think he was huge for McLean and, and Mikel. He um, he really brought him on at the time he was at the club. Yeah, you mentioned Mikel there. As I say, you, Mikel joined a little bit later. There was a lot of I'm in an iron about whether he was eventually going to come from Dagenham. Um, obviously, yeah. you'd, you'd have seen him play at non-league level. Did you feel he could make the step up? Because when he first joined, it was everyone, everyone talked about the fact that he needed three or four chances to score a goal. Had you seen that previously? Did you wonder whether he could make that adaption? Yeah, but he, he always scored goals at, at Dagenham, but he's just such a nuisance. And it, I think it showed what sort of striker he was. He was creating five, six chances a game, so he was going to eventually score. Uh, and it, with his work rate, it was just a nightmare for defenders. And I think where Sunderland obviously came in right at the end for him, there was that extra buzz that um, like an even higher league team wanted him. So um, I think he coped with it really well and, and proved what a good striker he was for the club. What do you think would have happened had he not signed for the club? Do you, do you think that they'd have gone? Was there someone else in non-league at the time that you thought, well, if we don't get him, we should go for him? Was there anyone else on the scene at that point? I think the chairman made pretty clear straight away that that was his target and seeing what him and McLean could do together. So, um, and the chairman went out and, and did his all to get Craig at the club. Yeah, they were strange in, in, in a way, McLean and McHale Smith, because if you hadn't have seen them play before and you put them two together, you'd probably wonder how a strike partnership was, was going to develop yeah. because they're not one bigger than the other. In fact, Aaron was better in the air. Could you, could you see why they would cause a threat straight away? I think they both work really hard. You don't get really at this, like, this day and age two strikers who work, work as hard as them two. And Aaron is so deceiving how good he is in the air. So we didn't really need the, the big target man because he, he won most headers anyway and, and McHale would just run off it. So um, we had that. And I think the higher we went, we, we did bring in some big target players, didn't we? We had um, Hatchie came in, I think, yep. League 2 and Barnett and League 1 or Championship, didn't we? Yeah. So we, we, did, we needed a plan B sometimes. So I think we did buy those sort of players. But when them two were on form, we, we, we didn't really need a plan B, really. And everyone talked about it being a 4-4-2 formation. It was really a 4-2-4 formation, really, wasn't it? Because you were on the left, obviously the two up front, and obviously Welkdale played the majority of um, games on the right-hand side. Two very different wingers, but two very different threats. Yeah, Welks, was, he was very good in the air as well, and he, and he had a real engine on him. Um, 
and he scored some really important goals. I think the Leicester one he, he scored was massive in League One, and he proved what a good player he was. He came even lower than than the rest of us um, from Billericay, and uh, he had a great career. Yeah, let's talk about the, the League Two promotion then, because speaking to Dean Keats, who, who obviously scored the goal and, and uh, got us up in, in the end in that one that win at Hereford, he was sort of saying that he didn't really know whether that was going to be the time we'd get promoted, because I think there was a, a lot of permutations needed to happen for it to, to occur on that particular day. What do you remember about that Hereford game and, and, and obviously the celebrations that, that followed? Yeah, we had we was waiting on someone. I don't know who it was that to lose. Who was it who needed to lose? Yeah, someone else. Someone else in the in the running. But obviously, three went up, didn't they? Back in League Two. Yeah. Um, um, I do remember Keats, a great header from the little man um, for a one 0 And it was you got that horrible pitch, Hereford. It's on the hill. Um, but I thought it was another. It was pretty similar to what we did all season. We would nick one nils, and and um, that was enough. We had a really solid defence um, in League Two. So. We knew if we'd score, and we'd, we'd keep clean sheet, we'd win the game. Um, and we had a great great party on the way home on the bus and then I think out in, out in Peterborough afterwards. Yeah, Kinksey was um, sort of saying about how, as an older head in the dressing room, and an older head on the pitch, it was great that the younger lads could go and express themselves. From the flip side, obviously, being so young, how important were Kinksey and Heidi um, in that midfield? Yeah, they were huge. Heidi, Kinksey, Westy, um, we needed that experience. You can't have... All of us with no no league experience really uh, to go and get promoted. So they were vital. They'd been previously uh, promoted with Walsall, didn't they? The previous season. So for them to step down from League One just showed what what ambition the club had um, for them to come to us. What was Heidi like in the dressing room? Because he was very calm in sort of influence. Um, was it was he someone that would talk to a lot of the lads in the dressing room and talk about the game, or was he more about showing what he could do on the pitch and letting you follow that lead? Yeah, I think everyone looked up to Hardy just because what he'd done in his career and um, he, he weren't a shout or anything. He, I think he just showed with his calmness on the pitch, he, he was a great footballer and I think just seeing him out there dictating the game, that was enough for us. Um, he didn't need to shout and holler at us. He, he just he did dictated the game and, and, and got give us the ball, really. Yeah, he was an unselfish midfield. I don't think he ever scored for Peachborough. I can't remember him ever scoring for Peachborough. And I, I guess uh, he was an old school, what, deep line playmaker, as they say, probably on, on, the, on the FIFA games now. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember him going past half way that much. Um, he'll just get the ball from the centre halves and, as I say, dictate the play and, and give it to to our strikers and, and wingers to go, go go win the game for us. That summer, after we got promoted from League Two, were were you concerned in any way that McLean, McHale, Smith, any of those players would leave to the detriment of the team? Was there, was there a talk about those players leaving? Because after scoring so many goals, you would assume there'd been talk about potential moves. Yeah, we were all on holiday together in Cancun and. Obviously, McLean had been um, with Wolves, uh, I think, two million bid, wasn't it? So, it was obviously the worry that he had gone. He'd done so well in League Two. And then Joe had been called up to England. Um, he joined us late. He'd been to Trinidad with the England team, first team. Um, so, he joined us afterwards that. But he was linked to some big Premier League clubs. So, there was that because we'd done so well that our big players would leave. Um, but the chairman done well and, and kept to our big players. And I think that was the plan from the start. If we can keep this nucleus of a team to go we can go keep going up the leagues um, and that's essentially what we did yeah the chairman was very vocal that summer and saying look we can we can do this again we can go through the, the league one into the championship did you as players believe that hype and, and believe that you could do that yeah we were very confident obviously when you get that winning mentality and even pre-season the gap is like we, we're going again but we're not standing still we're not trying to just stay in the division we're going again um, and I remember it took 
five, six games to get going in that league. I think it's again going from the conference to League Two. You need to get get a feel of the league and and see that you are you deserve to be at that level. And then I think I remember Milton Keynes away. We beat them two nil, um, and that was really the game that spurred us on. We beat Leeds at home and sort of shot up the league from then. Yeah, everyone talks about the, the big clubs that were in that league, that in that particular division. Did you look at those teams and think, oh, gee, we're playing Leeds here? Or was it so much belief in your own ability and your, your squad that you had in that dressing room that it didn't really matter where they were Leeds, they were just 11 players? Yeah, we were just buzzing to be playing Leeds. If I'm honest, they, brought, they sold out the whole end and, and the side. So to have that atmosphere, we, we weren't used to it, to have it on the road. So um, we were just buzzing, non-league players playing against Leeds United. It didn't really get much better than that. There were a couple of players, I think, that fell by the wayside from League Two to League One um, in terms of not obviously carrying on as a squad. There were obviously players that were signed into that group. But as, as someone that had got promotion, was it not hard accepting new players within the group? But was it a challenge to integrate them into that team spirit that you decided to build? Yeah, it is hard. I think I can't remember. We only signed a couple um, into League One, didn't we? But um, when you have that success and you, and you lose players who are part of that squad, it is hard because you become part of the family, really. Um, but yeah, after a few months, the new boys bed in and you get that team spirit with them as well. But I think it does take time for everyone to, to introduce themselves and, and feel comfortable, really. Yeah, before we talk about the obviously the game at Colchester that ultimately won promotion, obviously the players that you had in that dressing room at the time, what, what sort of players were they? Say, say, take Charlie Lee as an example. Someone who obviously had been released at Spurs but was a bit of a character. Was he someone that actually was what you needed? He, he was quite young, but he had that sort of mentality of being a, a cheeky chappy. Yeah, he was a cheeky chappy. He's like Frankie now, actually. They're very similar. Um, yeah, but Chaz, he was brilliant for the dressing room. Um, he lived in Sugar Way with all of us as well. So we'd be around each other's house every night cooking. And um, he was quite lazy. He wouldn't cook a lot. But um, he was a great player. He should have got on much higher than he did. Um, he had all the attributes. We watched the game yesterday, and Milton Keynes away, and he, he was he was brilliant at left back um, until he got sent off. But um, yeah, what a player! He was good in the air for his size, quick, great on the ball. Um, he was vital for that for those promotions. Yeah, and a management dream as well because he was someone that you could stick anywhere, and he play anywhere. He played in midfield, he played at centre half, left back. He could do a job anywhere on the pitch. I'm sure we signed him as he was the Spurs captain when he reserves as centre half. Hmm. Um, but then the gap had moved him in because he, he was so good on the ball. He, he could he literally play anywhere. And um, I, I liked him at left back, but and centre midfield he was very good as well. Yeah, and, and, and the other players that were in that dressing room at the time that obviously had a key key part to play. Gabby Zakwani obviously um, came um, as well, and, and he was someone a little bit later on. But he, he had the sort of same mentality, didn't he, as Charlie, that he would go through a brick wall for you. He was the wall, and he? he is the wall. Um, Gabs would literally play with anything. I'm, I can remember he broke his toe, and he literally played the last 15 games with injections at half time and before the game in his toe. He must have been falling off by the end of the season because, and then his shoulder popped out. He'd play with that. He, he was just an animal, and um, he's vital. He was vital for, for our promotion. He, he headed everything. I can't remember anyone really getting past him. Um, he was huge for us. That Colchester game, rather similar, I guess, to the to the game at Hereford in the sense that um, there were other results that were in play in terms of whether you're going to get promoted or not. I mean, personally, remember, I was sitting in the uh, in the press box with the We Are Going Up flag 
And um, I just remember people trying to grab it. And I said, it's another seven minutes to go in that other game. What are we celebrating? We're doing Klinsman dives on the pitch like on Soccer Saturday. And we weren't up at that point. What do you remember about the game? And whose idea was it to just celebrate anyway, regardless? I've, I've, the game was quite a bit of a blow. I, I remember being really comfortable. I don't remember ever being like we was in any sort of pressure or was going to draw or lose the game. Um, it was quite comfortable. But then I think Dara got told by someone, maybe Rob, that the result had gone through. So we all just started running and doing Klinsman's and that. And then Gaffer's come over. There's still seven minutes to go for the game. So, uh, yeah, we had to wait. And, and thank God um, Milton Keynes didn't get the win or the draw that they needed. Yeah, it's ironic that it came down to MK Dons again that had a, a part to play in, in, in getting promoted. Obviously, when you had that um, knowledge that you were up, as I suppose that, that party was probably better than the, the other one because you could last, last a little bit longer with it. Yeah, that went on for days, that one. I think we had the PFA Awards the day after, um, so down to London for that. Um, but to do double promotion is huge and there's only a handful of clubs that have done it. Um, so it's a massive achievement for the club. I remember, again, speaking to Dean Keats, the last game of the season was against Swindon and he scored a, a free kick in the last minute to secure a 2-2 draw, which would have embarrassed him yeah. losing on the last game because we had the wibbly-wobbly men and all sorts going on in terms of the... Yeah, in terms of the presentation. I think I, I seem to remember Claude Napka getting booed when he got his medal because um, <laughs> I think he was in contract negotiations at the time. But it, it was an incredible time and, 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 and such a, a wonderful day, regardless of how the performance was or anything like that. Yeah, I mean to play to get Peter in the championship was was amazing. I mean, I think we had Newcastle then with the year after. Like for us to go to those sort of stadiums, fifty thousand was just just a dream come true. And to do it as quickly as we did, I'm sure the chairman had a very big confidence of that squad doing it. But I'm sure he had a few more years in the plan for us to do it. So uh, to do it in two years was massive. And that summer going into the championship, I think the chairman just repeated exactly what he said going into League One, that he felt that you could compete in the championship. Obviously, a massive leap and, and looking at the clubs that were in it, even at that level or that time, um, were, were frightening really in terms of comparative wages, stadiums, etc, etc. Was there any trepidation or, or did you actually go into it exactly the same, thinking we can do this? We generally, were, like, we had meetings where we like, we can, like, we can be up there like, again. <laughs> Top six, the chairman wanted us to go. Um, but I mean, when you get that winning mentality over two years, you, you do, you've got so much confidence, you do believe that you can can go again, which it would have been an unbelievable task for us uh, to do that, comparing the wage budgets to the big, the big boys in there. So, um, yeah, I think it was a learning curve of how big of a jump League One to Championship is, and, and we did find that out pretty quickly. Yeah, how, how quickly did you think we were in a bit of trouble here? Well, we started, we beat Palace, was it, first game? Yeah. Um, I think it was very November, December time. That's we, the results weren't there, were they? And you start to think um, <laughs> we're in a bit of trouble here. And of course, Newcastle away again. Speaking to Dean, Dean scored in that game. That ultimately proved to be the, the gaffer's last day. Um, what do you what do you remember about that? Because obviously there was a lot of rumours, conjecture flying about at the time, um, and so much surprise that the chairman would part company with the manager at that point. Was there genuine shock at that point? At that time, we, we were shocked as like he was a father figure for all of us, like non league boys coming up. So we'd, we'd lost a father really, him leaving. So you heard the rumors before, but I mean, the Newcastle game, McLean didn't start, so that was probably the biggest, mm. biggest shock for every one of us um, that he weren't playing. But then for the gapper to leave, yeah, it, it was it was gut wrenching for all of us really because we'd been on a, such a good journey with him, yeah. And, and I guess. 
when a manager goes, so much uncertainty comes into play because you don't know who's coming in, whether you're going to be playing, this, that and the other. Um, those few days after the manager had left, when there was a lot of managers being linked with the job, what were your thoughts as a, as a, as a player in the squad? Were you hoping for someone? Were you shocked it was who it was? <laughs> I didn't think it'd be Coops. <laughs> <laughs> none, of, none of us had heard of him, obviously, um, at Kettering. Was he Kettering manager then? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we didn't really know much about him as, when he came in. Um, there was obviously a lot more bigger names that had been uh, introduced to, like, to the club. So um, yeah, it was a shock. But obviously, I think whoever came in then, it was going to be so hard to replace Darren because of our affection for him. So I think whoever came in was was on a dead end because it was it was so hard to replace Darren. Um, and did you did you feel that in the dressing room that you know I don't want to say there were splits, but obviously certain players who were playing then didn't become didn't play and those there was probably they're more of a split at that time than there ever had been in the, in the time you've yeah. been I think the players that, that were brought in at that time um they just didn't they didn't gel with, with the team spirit um I think that's towards the end of that season was the worst the team spirit's been uh, mm. at a club when I've been there uh, yeah, there were splits everywhere and we built such a good team unit and spirit of the previous years it was pr- pretty much shattered uh, when Darren left and, and all these new players came in. Yeah, and of course there was a lot of lone players that came in that didn't work out. Some, you know, Jake Livermore was probably the only uh, player who, out of those four that did come in, I, I remember Kerry Gilbert coming in and the only thing I can remember about Kerry Gilbert was the fact that he had about 17 phones um, in the dressing room. And Isaac McLeod came in, who, who obviously had a Previously, had done well with MK Dons, but obviously didn't hit the, hit, the, hit the ground running. Jake was, you know, probably the best player on the pitch aside from yourselves, probably in, in terms of what he could do. I think he showed with the queries out how, how good he was, even at that, that age. How old would he have been when he came to us? 18, 19, I would think, yeah. And he, he was a big boy then, so he's even bigger now. Physically, he's, he's, he's got a massive stature on the pitch and, and he's very good technically and he's played for England he's played in the Premier League so um, I think even then we knew what a good player Jake was going to be and um, he, he's gone on to be fantastic Of course then the um, the style of play changed somewhat as well obviously Exodus Gohagen came in with a, a monster throw um, obviously he played as a centre-half sometimes in centre midfield um, did, did it feel a little bit like it wasn't your type of club anymore? Were you thinking yourself, I, I, do I need to be here? Can I go somewhere else to, to, to fit my style a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely went away from the style that we played and, and didn't suit, well, it definitely didn't suit myself. Uh, we were very direct and sort of missed the midfield out really and we hit long and try and get second balls further up the pitch. Um, and obviously we had the big throw which would come in from anywhere. Um, but I thought I, I did really well first part of the season and felt I could progress more um, um, during the late. And obviously, in, was it February, March? So I eventually went to Forest and, um, and went online for the rest of the season. Yeah, and you look at the, the sort of result, obviously, the, I suppose the standout result for Cooks was the 4-4 um, against Cardiff in terms of the comeback. Obviously, a lot's been said about that game. Obviously, 4-0 down at the break and um, rumours that Mark was nowhere near the dressing room during the half-time interval. Um, as players, what were you thinking... At half time, four 0 down to Cardiff. Well, we, 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 there was no manager in the change room, so we sort of did our own team talk um, amongst each other, and then came in without a minute to go, and we was just like, "Where have you been? Like, what, what's going on?" Um, so we didn't really know what was going on. Then I think that was just we did show a bit of, like massive character then to come back from four 0 against Cardiff, who were a brilliant team uh, in that division, showed a lot. 
but we weren't dead and buried yet. Um, to score four goals in the second half was, was amazing. It was a great atmosphere. But um, and then afterwards was was funny. There was arguments and near enough fights. So um, yeah, it was just a weird period for, for the club, really. Yeah, I think a lot of supporters would have left at half-time, and quite rightly so. You wouldn't have expected that to, to, to be the occasion. Obviously, James McEwen will always speak of his contribution to that equalising goal that Josh Simpson obviously got. He claims he got ahead onto it. I, I guess he was talking about that for quite a time after. Yeah, I think anything just to be involved, Jim, would have been great. Um, I thought, did Joe not play in that? I thought, I didn't, I thought I think Joe he went, didn't No, I think he went off injured. I think, I'm sure he went off injured. Oh. McEwen, um, obviously, I think came on. Um, came on. A, he might have come on at half time, actually. I just remember Joe having the argument afterwards, so I thought he would have played. Yeah, I mean, uh, before, before I, I, we should mention, I suppose, at that point that Charlie Lee had actually left that summer, hadn't he? He didn't get carried into the championship. Was that a surprise to you? Yeah, that was a big shock. Uh, it's a massive call, really, for the management because of how well he did in the previous seasons. I don't know the, the ins and outs of it, but um, yeah, that was a big shock because he was a big part of the team and a big character in the dressing room, Chaz. So, um, yeah, he, he took a lot to the Phillies boots. Yeah, you, you mentioned your own personal um, situation going into that following year, obviously, at Forest. Um, when did, how did that come about? When did you first hear about that? Um, I think David Pleat had been to a few games. I don't know if I had a, the policy changed in it. I had a year left and anyone in the last year their contract was going to be put off a transfer request in the summer. So um, it's sort of Billy Davis. I don't think Billy Davis really wanted me to go there. It was more David Pleat. So I think I only played five or six games and it was, it was a bit of a waste of time, really. Um, we did get to the playoffs. I think lost to Blackpool. Um, I didn't play in any of the playoff games and... Then I came back here. I think I was put on the transfer list in the summer, but um, Gary Johnson come in and, and I did enjoy it at the start with Gary. Um, pre-season was good and obviously signed a new contract in the summer. Yeah, Gary Johnson was um, a bit of a coup at the time in terms of the fact that he'd obviously managed at high level, came close to getting Bristol yeah. City into the Premier League as well. Um, was that was probably the appointment that as a player you might have been expecting when Darren left the first time? Yeah, definitely. I think it was, it was a big name at the time. He'd done well at Bristol and... Um, I think it was a real coup for Peter to get him in. Um, um, he, he was a weird one, guys, because he'd come, he'd just hammer the, the more experienced players. I don't know if that was his style of management to, to get across to everyone else, but he'd always battered Mikel Smith for some reason, I think, just because he was, he was the main star at the time and just to scare a few of the younger players. But um, yeah, he had some weird management styles and we'd scored three or four goals a game, we'd been like four threes, five fours. Um, it was very entertaining, but um, yeah, it was it was a weird time as well. Yeah, just talk about your your contract that you signed. Obviously, it was abroad on during preseason training. I, I always remember being in like a it was almost like a five aside area um, where we, where you actually I think signed the deal. And I remember the chairman saying that the no one's going to believe that you've signed the deal. This is going to be amazing when it goes out. What obviously you know a lot of rumour and conjecture about the fact you had about fifty grand a week at the time, but. Um, were you contemplating, regardless of the offer that was made, were you contemplating staying? Or had you got into your mind that you wanted to sort of go elsewhere at that time? Uh, in my mind, it was to come back do pre-season. And then I did think someone would come in. I think Middlesbrough put a few bids in that got rejected. Um, I did think I'd leave. But I did start, start to really enjoy the pre-season uh, back with the boys and, and, and Gary Johnson at the start of the pre-season. So um, the more I was trading, the more I felt at home. And... I was, I was delighted to uh, sign the contract when the, when the chairman did it in Portugal. 
Yeah, what was the training like under Gary? You mentioned his, his sort of man management style. What what was he? What did he work on a lot of in, in the training sort of situations? Was it all about what you can do and how you can influence games, or was it more structured? Because I'd imagine that maybe Mark Cooper, for instance, would have been a bit more. You know, fullbacks aren't going to bomb on at all. I remember the first game at Sheffield United; the fullbacks got out of their own half. But that was a, that was a plan. That was a rigid style. What was what were the uh, two managers like in terms of what they did on training field? I think Coops was definitely with, with Nicky, obviously being a, Eden being a defender as well. It was very rigid, four four two. We knew where to go, like shuffled across. And if I, if the winger goes and presses, the fullback gets behind. So it was very regimented in that thing. I think Gary Johnson was a bit more attacking. Um, it didn't let us express ourselves as much as Darren did, but um, there's definitely more emphasis on on scoring goals and and trying and the defenders defend and the attackers try and score. Did that worry you at all as as a player that that, that it was all about attacking? Did you did you because you obviously didn't see a lot of goals at the time. Um, yeah. there, there was a lot, as you say, a lot of five fours, a lot of high scoring games. Were, were you concerned at all, or were you just thought, well, that that's how we will get out this league? Yeah, I think they was just score more than they do. And um, as a striker, when we're scoring four or five goals a game, it's brilliant because we know we get chances. Um, but let the defenders worry about uh, keeping out the goals. So um, for us, it was brilliant to start with. Um, I think we scored quite a few to start with in that season. And I don't know what happened, really. We sort of hit a bit of a wall, didn't we? The results weren't there. And obviously, Gary lost his job um, around, was it Christmas time? Sort of yeah, I think it was, time. There, was, there was two results, wasn't there, that stand out. Uh, I think we got battered at home by Charlton, probably 5-1 or 5-0. Um, and, and Brighton, because the Brighton game he built up, because obviously there was a flag day, there was all sorts going on, because obviously it was top versus second. Then, then they, they battered. I think we had a, someone sent off on oh, that day. Say again? I was sent off in that game. Yes, that's right. You were. That's why we were down to 10 men. I was trying to remember. Ben, I gave away a penalty. I think Joe Lewis saved a penalty. But th- those those results were probably alarm bells for, for higher up. Yeah, because obviously when we've had pressure situations in the past few seasons, we, we usually beat, beat the teams around us. So, um, I mean, you can deal with a 1-0, one, 2-1, one, one, but we were getting battered 3-0, 5-1. The trial one was really bad. Um, I remember Lee Martin, he, he tore us to pieces that day. So, um, obviously there was alarm bells and then a few rumours that well, we never thought Darren would come back. Um, but when he did come back, it, it gave everyone a lift. And I think he was probably shocked at how low on confidence we were. He sort of beat out of us at the end, Gary Johnson. We, we didn't have much morale or confidence as a team, but I think slowly and surely, Darren, once he got back and he built that up and we won a hell of a run, didn't we, uh, towards the end of that season. Yeah, you mentioned the man management at Gary and particularly picking on Mikel Smith. You know, from the outside looking in, Mikel looks like the sort of person who wants his arm around him and being told he's brilliant. Whereas if you hammer him, he's probably going to go the other way. Is that knowing your players, do you think? Is it- yeah, definitely. I think as a, as a manager, you need to, to know the ways to get the best out of your players. So um, for, for, to keep hammering him, he, he's just going to go the other way. He's not, he's not going to listen and he's not going to work as hard as he usually do. Where Obviously, Darren knew him as a player and... Craig does need an arm around him. You just need to shower him with compliments like his missus does and, and just get on with it. Obviously, Darren, coming back in, um, our first couple of results, I think, were defeated. I think we lost at Brighton straight after when he came back. So it didn't gel straight away. But I, I guess you had to sort of play a different style as well. Although you were free-flowing under Gary, there had to be a balance. Yeah, and I think he's getting back to that. I think we changed the diamond. I went back to the top of the diamond and... If you're used to a way of a rigid four four two, obviously with Coops, and then a different style under Gary, it's going to take time for Darren's. Even though we had two previous years with him, to to get back into to the swing of things, really. 
obviously got into the playoffs, obviously beat Dagenham, I think, on the last game after we guaranteed our position in the playoffs. Um, I suppose, were MK Dons the side you, you kind of wanted to play? Um, I think we were just desperate to go out. It didn't really matter who, but it sort of was in the, in the stars, wasn't it, to play them again in the semis. And it, we played, I thought we played really well in the first leg. Um, the first half, we were, we were dominating and had that terrible 10 minutes in the second half. And um, then Litz's Maraudian run down the right-hand side and apparently that never was. Uh, and then Maka slid it in. So 3-2 was, was perfect for us because we knew we could score more than one back at home. And, and then the atmosphere on the home leg was just something that I've, uh, I've never experienced really at a home game. You mentioned that it's about the first leg. Obviously, at three-one down with ten men, did you think it was over? No, because we knew we could. We had the the potential up front, the attacking flair to to score two or three goals on any given day. So, I think they had a chance to make it four-one, which I think would have been curtain. So, three-one um, was was good. Three-two was was amazing. So we knew as soon as we um, we got the second goal, we had a great chance at home. And that that home game, obviously, remembered for obviously the, the goal that Mikel Smith ultimately sent us through, Grant McCann's free kick. James Wesolowski's tackle probably is, is something a lot of fans remember. And watching it back, he, he, he made one heck of a run to get back in. Yeah, that summed him up. He's, I think he ran 30 yards and he was a tenacious midfielder, really good. Um, and that was an unbelievable block. It kept us in the, in the tie, really. Um, but I think Darren showed us a video before he went out that game uh, of like a season review of music. I think it was Adele, um, the only one or one of those songs. Um, but we knew as soon as we watched that video, we were going to win. Everyone was, was buzzing um, going out. We knew as soon as we watched that video, we, there was no way we were going to lose that game. Um, the final was at Old Trafford. Were you as players gutted that it wasn't at Wembley or did you quite fancy Old Trafford? No, yeah, we wanted, everyone wants Wembley. Um, obviously, it was the Man U Barca game and Champions League final at Wembley. So, we all watched that the night before. I think we want to watch the Stevenage um, League mm-hmm. 2 play on the final the day before just to soak up the, the atmosphere and that. So, um, Old Trafford is still one of the best stadiums in the, in, in the country. So, that was, that was great for all of us. Was it important, you thought you think, you went there for the, the whole weekend? The preparation was, was right, not just going up a day before. You, you were able to sort of really be together as a squad. Yeah, definitely. It's nice to spend a few days in at a nice hotel in uh, Worsley. And then I think it's important even to go to the game uh, the day before, just to be in the ground, see what the atmosphere is going to be like and, and know that you've been there. I think even the day in the morning before we went on the pitch, had, had a walk around. So I think that, that was vital as well. I think we you all, we all watched the uh, Champions League final. I think Litz was in a Man United shirt. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Darren was obviously gutted for his dad because obviously they got beat, didn't they? Do you think that? Do you think the fact that Man United got beat gave him that just even more of a motivation to make sure that we got the job done? Yeah, definitely. I don't think Tomlin as well winding him up that he wanted Barca uh, didn't help as well. Um, but yeah, I mean it would have been great for the family for them to to get those two final wins. But um, yeah, Darren would definitely would have done it for his dad on the Sunday. So the actual final uh, against Huddersfield, obviously the, the, everyone remembers the last 10, 11 minutes. We had a, we had a couple of chances, actually. Mikel Smith at the post, didn't he, as, as, as well? Um, you know, again, speaking to Ryan Bennett about the fact that Jordan Rhodes didn't play, were you as surprised as probably everybody else was that he wasn't in the side? 
Yeah, it was a really strange one, wasn't it? Because it had been so good for him all season. Um, that was that was a big call for them. But uh, he came on in the last 15 minutes. Didn't really do much. But I didn't really remember having that one chance second half for the guy hit the bar. Um, I remember Grant Basie was brilliant money at, at left back that day. Um, but I never felt really in trouble. As I say, they had the one chance second half. But other than that, we um, I never felt that we'd lose the game. When you got the first goal, when Tommy Rowe got the first goal, did you feel the most important thing then was to go again rather than sit back? Yeah, I think that was an idea. You know, we never sat back at any time on a 1-0, especially under Darren. So we literally scored straight away, didn't we? Just go again. That, that was our motto, just to keep going. If we score two, go and get three. That, that was the feeling. Um, but it was just pure relief, I think. When the second goal went in, we, uh, we knew we were nearly there. And yeah, I think relief's the word. And when Grant sticks that free kick in the top corner, I mean, from from my point of view, that's the best moment I've had working at the football club. What was it like in terms of being on that pitch and just watching that free kick? Was it like in slow mo or? Yeah, I remember Welks was in front of it when he sort of moved moved to the side, and then yeah, that he'd done that so many times all season, and he really deserved that Grant. Um, he was brilliant for us that year, and as soon as it goes in, you know that's it. We're done. We're up. Um, yeah, there was no better feeling. And that summer, going into the championship the next year. Was it a little bit more calmer in terms of let's let's just take it in our stride, see what happens, rather than being a little bit blasé about it? Yeah, I think we learned mistakes. I think everyone did. Uh, players, management, um, chairman's ambitions weren't as high as as previous year. I think we we knew the level of the championship, how how high it was, and um, yeah, there was no no point setting targets. Just going as we were, and and we had a really good season that season. Um, we never looked like getting relegated, and and it was a good solid. Championship season. Yeah, Mikel left that that summer. Um, uh, were you close to leaving at that point, or were you always going to be uh, there the next following season? I can't really remember. Was it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I never. I don't think I was ever leaving. No, not that season. Uh, was it my last last season? I think, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. My contract. No, I was. I was just happy to be back in the championship. And um, um, yeah, I think we we bought better this time round than, than we did previously. When Mikel left and um, Dwight Gale um, came in during I think it was the last next season or the season after, um, do you remember thinking, what's going on here? Why are we signing someone from Stansted? Or did you, did you see straight away that he had a bit? Yeah, he definitely had a bit straight away. But well, he had that confidence straight away, like a goal scorer needs. Even if he's coming from, from non-league, he came in straight away and he was a proven goal scorer in training. He's, Finishing was brilliant. Even shooting sessions afterwards, I don't really remember him missing. Um, and he he showed straight away that he just went straight straight in with that confidence that he'd score goals at that level and took it straight into the championship. Um, and you can only say well done for that. Yeah, I remember that first year in the championship, back in the championship. I think around November time we played Leeds. I think Tomo got sent off, but had we won that game, I think we'd have gone second in the championship, which um, was was ridiculously. It seems even sounds ridiculous saying it now, but. At that point, what, this confidence in the dressing room must have been sky high. Yeah, I think we had the Ipswich game, didn't we, quite early on, where we won 7-1, seven, 7-0, seven, whatever it was. Um, and that, They were a solid championship team, so to do that to them was... And we never never looked in any doubt, really. They had a player sent off, but um, we absolutely ran all over them. And, and even players like Paul Taylor, who came in, none known really uh, at that level, but he came in and, and just smashed it up, really. He, he was unbelievable. 
Yeah, and and obviously as I say, stayed up comfortably that season, and then obviously went down the, the following year. Um, when you did leave the football club, um, what what did you remember? We I suppose we better talk about the um, the eye test, hadn't we? Um, <laughs> and uh, in, in your own words, what what happened there? Uh, well, I had Palace and Forest. I was I chose Forest because I could still live at home. We just moved to Nassington, so I didn't have to move. It was only an hour's drive. Uh, we had a baby on the way. Obviously, Palace, my boy, boyhood club as well. So that was that was hard. But we chose Forest um, purely because I wouldn't have to move. And then we passed the medical day. They said go away for a few hours. Um, we'd done all the knee and scans and brain scans, all that rubbish. Um, and then told us to wait around a few hours. So then at half nine, we then went to the chairman said he wants me to do an eye test because when I was previously there, I didn't um, didn't wear contacts. So then they made me do a I had contacts obviously then, but then they made me do an eye test without my contacts in. So I'm not going to be able to see because I need contacts in. So they're like, no, no, you need to do it without your contacts in. So obviously I couldn't see properly. Um, and then we got a call at half 10, obviously the window shut at 11. Um, we can't sign you because of your eyes. I was like, what? Did you, <laughs> I mean, I guess you were gutted because obviously you, you, you thought this was the move that was going to be the next yeah. stage of your career. But um, also, I, I guess you had to tell the chairman as well, didn't you? I rang the chairman and I was in pieces. Um, he, was like, he was brilliant. He said, just come back here and obviously you've still got a place here. So I went back literally the next day and I think I played on Saturday. Um, it was just it was just a waste of time, really. Um, I don't, it was Billy Davis again. He came in because uh, we had Peter Grant as a coach at Peterborough. He wanted to sign me because he went there with uh, mm. Alex McClinch. Um, he was the assistant manager. But then they were under pressure to, to get sacked, and I think Billy Davis was was ready to go back in. So then they didn't want to sign me, so uh, pulled out the eye test. <laughs> and when you did eventually leave, um, I mean, I remember because I was playing virtual golf at the time and got a call off Barry saying I had to go and down the kit man to get George's boots and meet you somewhere on a service station down the A1. Um, how quickly did that move come about? Because it was after Millwall, wasn't it? The, the 5-1 at Millwall. Yeah, literally, I probably had a call on the day of the Millwall games, like, knowing it was it was pretty close to happening. And then um, we had an amazing game at Millwall, didn't we? We won 5-0, five, 5-1. Five five and then it was literally the next day, on the Wednesday, I got a call from Steve Bruce that... Um, the offer had been accepted and I was on the way up to Hull. Yeah, was it an ideal, I suppose when you look back on it, it was ideal, wasn't it? It was a 5-1 win at Millwall. A perfect way to sort of sign off. Yeah, it was. Like, we had done really well that. Um, but we was in a groove, really. That We had, we was in some great form at that time. Um, we'd won a lot of games. Made, we'd beat Cardiff away. We had some really good results. Um, and I'm sure Darren would have thought if we carried on with that team, we, we, would, have beat, we would have stayed up quite easily. But... Um, I think the next move had to be a big one for me, a team going for the Premier League and Hull was second or third at the time. Um, so it was perfect for me that the next step to, to try and play in the Premier League. Last couple of questions. Um, obviously, a lot of people um, would have thought that you and Lee Tomlin couldn't play on the same side. Did you think you could play on the same side with Lee and, and how did you make it work? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean... Um, I think it was my just to give Tomo the ball and, and let him do what he do, and I'll do his running for him as well. Cause, um, but he worked really hard. Um, was he on the whole? Yeah, he was in the hole. I was just to the side of him. But we we worked really hard as a team. The front two, Tomo, me, Rory, we knew our jobs. Um, I think you can you can have as many player players as you want in the team as long as everyone runs around. Um, it doesn't matter. 
who was the um, the best player you played with in the, the Peter United show the first time around? Escape from the the, the current um, regime. We don't want to upset any of them, but obviously the the, the 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 squads that you played in previously, who stands out for you? Obviously, Mikhail McLean just for the the pure volume of goals that they scored, and they did it for every level that, that they went up to. So um, they proved what good players they are, and they've done it at every level. Was there anybody that surprised you in terms of the level that they? Attained because you might have looked at them first and foremost and thought, I'm not too sure they're gonna they're gonna make it. Um, no, I mean obviously Gale, we spoke about Gailey just from where he came from to go straight to the Championship and now doing the Premier League. But he's proved wherever he's gone in the Championship, especially he's a 20 to 25 goal a season striker. Um, ben, I we, we knew he would be great. He was like a Rolls Royce in League Two, League One. Um, and he's gone up and had a fantastic career, and, and still will. Um, he was he was brilliant. He was the craziest in the in the dressing room in terms of, I don't know, disturbing banter or anything that you can remember at the time that you just thought. <laughs> yeah, straight away, disturbing. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there, there was certain there, obviously. I mean, Joe Lewis was um, just a, a weird character, full stop, wasn't he? But I, I think you you kind of need them, don't you, in the dressing room sometimes. Yeah, I think that's just goalies in general, but they, they were such top boys and so much part of what we were about. Um, yeah, they were vital and especially Jim, he didn't really play much, but he, he was a big character in that dressing room, um, especially on nights out. Was there any, any fights in that dressing room? Everyone remembers a big run manager documentary from Poshvan's point of view and seeing fisticuffs. Did that happen a lot during your time? Um, there was a few in Coops' there. I think the only one I probably remember was Isaac McLeod and... Dave Oldfield had to be uh, mm. pulled apart from each other. Um, but I just put that down to the, the time, during the good years, there, there was no fights because everyone got on. Yeah, and, and um, rather disturbingly, people thought that you were following in Sir Tommy Robson's footsteps with a, a few dives and actually watching that second leg back that led to the disallowed goal from Lee Tomlin, that did look a little bit of a dive, George. I mean, the one in the playoff final um, for the free kick was a bit of a dive as well. <laughs> What, maybe maybe it's just working the opportunity. Is that how they describe yeah, professional, it? I like to call it professional. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much for your time, George. Appreciate a delve back into uh, into history, um, and um, hopefully we can recreate some more. Yes, thank you, Phil.